mm-hmm. that I, I, run, I had a conflict inside of a grocery store. This guy was robbing the robbing the store, and I walked in and seen him up there. You know, some of these stores have elevated places where the manager is and the safe and all that. And uh, I walked around to where he'd gone through the gate and got up there, and he had the manager on the, on his knees taking money out of the safe. I did okay in the military, and I know how to follow orders and things of that nature, but I like to control my own area of freedom. You all have a certain amount of freedom, and then there's the perimeters that we have to deal with, and that's called the law, the law of the land. Be true to yourself and true to your goals. Don't waver off of them. If you've got a good goal and a dream, pursue it. Be true to yourself all along the way. If you realize that you can't make that gold and you, you just don't believe in what you're doing, back away and change. No, it's all good. No, you're fine. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to another Four of a Kind podcast. Today is me, Andy, and Max, and one incredible person who we actually met on accident. Um, me and Andy were actually heading up to the hunting lease to set up some deer feeders, and uh, we stopped in the old Love's gas station up here on Pillar Road. Um, we were pumping gas, and we made some small talk with him about the deer feeders and stands. And we also made a friend that day. <laughs> So I'd like to introduce to everybody, Mr. Jerry LaGuire. Good evening to you, folks. There you go. How, how long ago? How long ago was that? that Three, was about, four years. Yeah, it was about. I think we were we were thinking about it was about four years ago. Four Gosh, years ago. Oh. I mean, so many people have come and gone, and some of them are sort of relieved of the position because they misbehaved or did something that was unsafe, uh-huh. and I do that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm no longer in charge of that. Mm. Thank no, goodness, no I'm more? retired yeah. from it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, a little backstory. Um, after we met with Jerry that day, actually gave us a card and uh, said, hey, we, I've got a hunting lease. If you guys be interested, we're, we're, we're looking for a couple more people. And uh, we kind of gathered up our ideas and was like, well, it wouldn't hurt to check it out. So we went on down to the hunting lease and met you down there and looked around at the land and ended up joining the lease and uh, didn't hunt it very long just because we had the other one that we were with uh with uh, the the lease that they're on, Andy and Max and Austin right now, but um, it's still a good time meeting you up there and and uh, hanging out. That's a cool little place to, especially the little camper setup that you have. Well, that little conversation at the gas pump cost you twenty eight hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> or twenty four hundred. That's true. <laughs> so that was an expensive. Words we spent there, but we got a you know got a big vehicles. It was service. It's wild because if you think about how the the odds of just that pulling up to a gas station beside each other and having a small conversation leads to a hunting lease. 
Well, and uh, there's not a lot of people out there who would just walk up, engage conversation, and yeah. invite mm-hmm. someone to yeah. a place to hunt because everybody's so like uh, territorial, I guess you could it say, is. with hunting land. Well, in those days, I was president of the place, and so I want perfection as far as people in the camp because I did release several of them, the memberships, if they didn't do, you know, come up the standard. Mm-hmm. Um, safety was the most important thing I thought of it. Then, then it was attitude, <clears throat> and. Uh, I was, I enjoyed that, but I knew there was time to get out uh, as far as that position. Now, I've been there, this is my 21st year. I'm into that now, Max. And uh, actually, I'm within three months of being the oldest person in that camp. And uh, sometimes I think maybe I shouldn't tell how old I am (laughs) because people can see it without me saying a word about it. Well, in your credit, for your age, you move around like a, a 30, 40 year old. I mean, it's incredible. Well, I, I noticed that when we was uh, walking around on the actual hunt land. I'm like, man, this, this dude's serious. On yes. the, <clears throat> well, that's, you that's got real the, you nice. You got the pep in your step, Jerry. The pep, the pep in, in the step. Yeah. Well, do you, you know that we're always say also friends forever for that comment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got friends. Um, Fortunately, I have friends all over the, in about three or four countries right now, thankfully. And we're friends forever. Yeah. But anyway, back to that camp, it uh, it was time for me to move out of that position because I'm retired. I'm retired three times, and that was that was the, probably the fourth as far as that little position. But I enjoyed the three of you, and uh, yeah, I, I, I was disappointed I when everybody cleared out. Yeah, I feel like we was the best uh, members because we didn't cause no trouble by the little time we was there, and then oh, we just geez. checked out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I miss you. I didn't really know what what happened, but I figured you went back to Virginia. Is that where you're Yeah, it's, it's right below. I, I mean, honestly, I, we, we got into it. I know we was at the time, I don't know, when we get in that, like March. I don't know when we did that. But we was real, like, turkey crazy yeah. at the time. And <laughs> there was a lot less people, right? Oh, you yes. Know, and at that camp, at the least you had, yeah. there was nothing wrong with it. It was just more of a... We were looking for something more, less people, right? I think I had about 16 or 17 people. Now, we have, we had 1,800 acres. Right. So I could, you know, could scatter them out, and you know how that worked. Each person had two, two stands and 300 yards around them. So it was a pretty good shooting range, and, and you know, that was something that you folks mm-hmm. could do anything mm-hmm. you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So now, on this recording, when you play it back, you're going to hear a little word pause and this and that and the other in this conversation for me anyway uh but there's questions you have and hit me with a few of them see if i remember what yeah they were. we'll, we'll kind of backtrack a little bit and and start from because we want to we want to hear about you and because we know about you but we really don't know much about you we just know from the time from probably 2000 what, 2019 i think it was somewhere mm-hmm. around in there mm-hmm. maybe the couple month span that we did interact with you and spend time with you we went to your house and saw the things that you did and it kind of made us interested really? in uh in in what what jerry was all about so uh <laughs> yeah no i would i would just kind of like to hear about where you were born um how how you how you kind of grew up and we'll just kind of roll into that and career wise and what you did you know stories everything everything in between be be fun to yeah. uh, relive old jerry's life uh, it makes me sad sometimes when I relive what I did. Uh, 
I looked at those pictures today. I've been put. They've been put away for a few years, you know. Uh -huh. I went through them and and uh, I was telling Nancy, which Nancy's my wife of 24 years. Uh, it made me sad to look at them because uh -huh. I didn't do everything right in my life. Uh -huh. We can't go back and correct behavior or mistakes. Uh, we could have done things better. I think most people can. And so you two are just so young compared to me that you have time to not make mistakes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but, uh, what you said a while ago about me moving around fast and this and that and other, I still do that. I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to do that. But people say, Jerry, you really look good for your age. <laughs> so they can leave off those last few words. <laughs> but I, I want to look good for any age, but that's not happening. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we talk about where I was born and moving on with it. Um, I was born in Cabarrus County, mm -hmm. Cabarrus Hospital, which has been changed, I think, to Northeast now or Northwest, something like that. And uh, actually, my claim to fame in that era and I didn't even know it know it at the time, of course. I should remember something that important. I was the first war baby born in Cabarrus Hospital. My dad was in the military, and uh, he was in war. But I guess him and mother got together somewhere. But anyway, here I am. And uh, at that time, uh, I was pretty much of a celebrity and didn't know about it. That's what I was told, because the first government baby to be, pay it, be paid for by the governor and so they took extra care of my mother because patriotism was a very strong in those days. And unfortunately, we don't have that same attitude in the United States right now. It's a sad situation. And I'll try not to get too political here, but we have, we had in the 50s a very patriotic country. What, what, uh, what year were you born? 43. 43. 43. <laughs> Look at me when I say so, that. Read yeah. my lips. <laughs> yeah. So times are a lot different, for sure, than, than they are now for you. How well, actually, I brought a few pictures that were taken back in those that era of time here. Oh, wow. You could just glance at them as we speak along. And you, you see how the dress code was. And that was uh, you know, probably I was three and four or five years old at that time. And, of course, I didn't take the pictures. I didn't even know I was a celebrity. Uh -huh. You'd think I'd remember that, but I was <laughs> a newborn baby. But, uh, anyway, the hospital took very good care of my mother and kept her in the hospital for two weeks because uh -huh. it was a government baby. So, anyway, it, uh, it's been a long road, and uh, my dad came out of eastern Kentucky and Tennessee. He was... Love his heritage with Cherokee Indian, but whereabouts was this at, like uh, Cabarrus County? Uh, Concord, about on the outskirts of Concord. It was actually listed as Concord. Okay. Uh, do you know where the hospitals are there? Going going down twenty nine uh, through Concord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, okay. we know. Yep. Well, that's been revamped, restored, larger oh, yeah. hospital now. But at that time, that's what serviced Cabarrus County and some of the other counties around because. It was the largest hospital at that time in the area. What was what was the biggest thing that you can think of at the time? Like, for instance, right now, let's say a big um, technology-wise is right. It's an electric car, right? It's 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 kind of like that hot thing. Everybody's wanting to get one. In that time in the forties, what was that like? Well, I should say more of like 
early 50s, later 40s. What was like the happening thing? Well, the 44 and the flathead. Just a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Oh, you That's get, good. Yeah. yeah. A 44 was popular with a flathead motor to it, uh -huh. and they were on the racetracks. Uh, Dale Earnhardt probably drove a few of them. Uh -huh. That was a while back. But the 40 Ford and the $2 bill and I'll meet you over the hill. That mm -hmm. was the type of thing. It was a song at that time. And so I guess you say the 40 Ford. And my dad had one. In fact, the picture of it is right there in one of these pictures. You can see a tail end of it. Uh, so anyway, it was, a, it was a difficult time. Not a lot of money around. And uh, you can see the house that mom and dad built for $3,500. Wow. <laughs> and now it's been restored. I'm not restored, but uh, remodeled and all that through the years. Mm -hmm. And now it's brought up to date. It's got all the modern facilities to it. But at that time, it's unpainted, a wood porch. That's the way life was then. Not a great lot, of, you know, not a tremendous amount of money. Probably the wages there um, was maybe a dollar thirty a cent a month, an hour. Oh, you're going to hear some real glitches on that speech, but uh, <laughs> I don't worry about it. I'm thinking as I speak, and that's real difficult for me. Yeah. Uh, uh, probably about dollar, dollar thirty-five an hour, and so twenty dollars every two weeks for groceries. That was pretty much the average, because a lot of people raised their food. They had you know, cattle and pigs and things of that nature, and gardens and fields. Mm. A lot of cotton was being picked in those days. In fact, I picked cotton when I was about five or six years old. I think the best money I made was for a whole day was 78 cents. <laughs> so wow. It takes a lot of cotton to make a pound. I bet, yeah. Unless it's wet. That's true, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, that was basically, as far as automobiles, the 40 Ford flathead motor was the thing at the time. I think it was flathead. And so, of course, you've seen what's happened now. As far as this electric car, I think it's got so many glitches. In fact, Nancy and I were watching the news, I think this morning, and it showed a electric bus blown up. And they talked <coughs> about some of these cars have real problems and they cost you a fortune. Mm -hmm. They cost what some people pay for a house. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard recently um, during the hurricanes down in Florida, uh, <coughs> Tesla done some update. This is what I heard. I don't know if it's true or not. They've done some update where they gave all the Tesla cars like more miles per charge. Just from an update, they could give you more miles. Oh, really? So it's like, why could they never regulate yeah, you and take that? away? And my, my thoughts, I mean, I guess you can take it as you want it. I just think if they wanted to, they could just cut the switch off and then yeah. you're can't drive no more or something like that. That's, but that's true. I don't know. I heard that. I'm like, oof. I don't, well, we, I don't know about that one. We keep up with what's happening in the world uh, because we've been a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Of course, Nancy's a lot younger than me and, and a great deal prettier. <laughs> so anyway, so we're all about not liking the electric cars and all the technology there because mm -hmm. it's just not mm -hmm. reliable. What, um, what did you enjoy? Um, what did you enjoy about your childhood? What was, what was something that you always looked forward to doing? Was it playing outside or anything like that? Did you, did you have any any stories of that that you can remember? Oh yes, I enjoyed my childhood. In fact, I was saying to my wife this morning that I didn't realize at the time what a great mom and dad I had. Mm -hmm. 
we called her mama, <laughs> and uh, dad was dad or daddy, but uh, that was a thing of the times. And I just realized in later life like this how great I really did have it, the security of it. Uh, divorce was something that was just, oh, that was taboo. You just, if you divorced, something was wrong mm -hmm. somewhere. But uh, I enjoyed the outdoors. Uh, of course, I went to school and graduated and all that, but I didn't want to be there. I was outdoors all the time. I grew up hunting and fishing, and uh, we had a lake, our own lake, and so I was, uh, I was a real patriotism of that lake. What lake was that? My lake. Oh, was it? <laughs> we, we have a, uh, a farm lake. It's, oh, it's, it's 22 feet deep. But uh, so it'll hold some fish. Yeah, I see you looking over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to fish it. As long as I'm <laughs> That's fine. That's probably more in there than I'll ever catch. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, You're welcome to the. Uh, I don't know. Oh, um, like what? What were you wanting to do in school? Like was uh, was there anything that was intriguing to you? Like maybe being a mechanic or anything like that? Did you have anything that you were setting your goals to be or? The one real thing that I really appreciated at school was the pretty girls. <laughs> we had some church girls, but they wasn't they weren't the girls at school. It was mm -hmm. like at school, but mm -hmm. anyway, most of the girls at school and and the the, the children, the the, the um, uh, members of the school, they were sort of suburbanites. Uh, I was country. Yes, about nine miles from school. And what did I enjoy? I enjoyed geography. I enjoyed traveling, so I was a real advocate of studying geography, uh, world history, things of that nature, English, English lit. I despised the other part, you know, the other half year and, uh -huh. and grammar and all that stuff. Uh -huh. But English lit was good. I enjoyed poetry. I, I wrote some stuff, got a few things published, and that was through my teachers. They got it published through the, through the state somehow or another. Uh, but that's mainly what I enjoyed. I drove a school bus for the last two years of my career as a high school student that's right because uh would y'all now were y'all weren't getting paid for it though right oh yeah oh you were getting paid i for started it. paid i started driving when i was i think i was about three weeks past my 16th birthday wow you cannot drive a school bus at 16 so, now yeah, you, no. you was a student and driving the school bus i was a student driving the school bus and i had a full load and maybe whatever that would the capacity I've, was i've heard of that i've heard uh, I, I know another guy that that used to drive the school bus when he was uh when he was in school man i couldn't imagine being uh, no. in a class with somebody and then not only is it bad enough for a school bus driver now, with them being older and they still act up, I couldn't imagine <laughs> being 16, 17 years old and driving that school bus, how they acted. They probably didn't care as far as respect too much about your, did they? Because, well, on that same token, you could probably kick them off, right? I didn't want to do that because uh, there was no lawsuits in those days, actually. But there were students that had to walk home or call somebody, some of the drivers that put them off. But, but I wouldn't do that. My... My process of driving that school bus was win their hearts over as much as possible. Let them want to be on my bus. Uh, and so they pretty much respected what I said. And of course, I didn't demand much. I didn't re require them to be any certain thing except sort of quiet mm -hmm. and uh, safe. And don't put their arms out the windows and stuff like that. Look out, but don't, don't exit the windows. <laughs> <laughs> how, long, how long was your route? 
Like from the time the bell rang to when you got home, what was it? What was it usually like? It was about an hour. Was it? Yeah, hour in the morning, hour in the evenings, and uh, these were my bus was a straight drive. Was it old international straight drive? And it was good. My salary, if they could call it that, was nineteen dollars and fifty cents a month. Figure that one out on a, how many try, how many days in a month. <laughs> so, <laughs> it wasn't a high salary. I never get, but you know, in a country, uh, picking cotton and making seventy eight cents for a whole day of cotton when I was about five or six years old, nineteen fifty sounded pretty good. Of course, we wasn't starving. <clears throat> Mom and Dad did did what they needed to do, and we had everything we needed and some things we wanted, just like today, except we have a lot more and. Oh, yeah. Did y'all have like chickens, cattle, pork, like you said, pigs, everything? Or we like? always had chickens. It maintained, on the average, about 23 chickens year-round. Sometimes in the spring we'd get those two or 300 um, pullets, and they would be <laughs> slaughtered yeah. in oh, about, a, yeah, yeah. about six or eight weeks. That's, yeah. these, these chickens you get out of the school, I mean out of the stores, they're only six or eight weeks old. Yeah. Um, I know so, my, my grandma, she, she talked a lot on her childhood, how like, uh, just chicken wise, her dad, like, like dinner, they'd be outside working and he would just walk out to the chicken coop, just chop a head, come mm -hmm. off. Yeah. And bring it in there and pluck it, clean it, cook it right there. And then they even, uh, <clears throat> we used to have behind our house, this big, huge, like cast iron pot. And what they would do is they'd butcher their hogs and or pigs and everything. And then they'd. You know, what they didn't use, they'd throw it in there and make their liver mush, homemade liver mush, stuff like that. And I was like, that's, that's pretty cool to just. That's good that you mentioned that. Yeah. Because that was my job was, as a kid, was to stir the pot. It'd be yeah. at 9 30, 10 o'clock at night, and I'd bet they're stirring it over the fire. Mm -hmm. I've still got that pot. Is it cast iron pot like a the big cast pot? iron, yep. big thing like this, about that high. You can't find them. Yeah, they're, uh, they're oh, antique. They're, they're really good. Yeah. Uh, but it's nostalgia. Mm hmm. And nostalgia can be very expensive because I've got a lot of things from the childhood, antiques and things I just hold on to. Someday somebody will have to do something with them. Um, so you, you you get out of school. Um, what did you do from then? Is that when you joined the Air Force? Uh, not right then. I went I went to the Cannon Mills. My dad was involved in a higher line in the Cannon Mills there at that time. And... Um, he became a law enforcement of Cannon Mills and even to a point sort of a bodyguard for uh, Dwight Gwynn, which was an overseer and uh, close contact with uh, Charles Cannon. And I can remember going up to the, Dad and I were down in Concord, and we walked up the post office steps there in Concord, and the man standing at the top was, uh, he looked at Dad and they smiled, and he just reached down and popped me on the setter. And I looked at Dad, this guy hit me, Dad. What are you going to do? Dad was just sort of smiling about it. It was Charles Cannon. <laughs> so, oh, really? You don't know Charles Cannon. No, no. But he owned all the Cannon Mills all up and down the East Coast. Right. So he was he was the big man in several states. I know I know when the mills opened, I know uh, my dad, Grandma, I think Ann at one time, like it was, it was the job. That's where you worked at the mill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, after school, I went in there. Dad got me a job as a get-up hand. And it, you know, it was a fast-paced job, and I was, you know, I, pro I probably weighed every bit of 117 pounds, and I could, you know, I could move. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I, after about less than 60 days, I knew this is not something I'm gonna be with for long. So I 
the draft was going on then. The if you're oh, wow. 18 years old, you had to register for the draft. That was the law. And what's the, what's the time frame on that? What was that 1950? Uh, uh, 62. 62? Okay. 62, uh, and I, I went into the military January 63. Okay. Nin 1963. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the draft was very strong, and, and some young guys crossed the border into Canada to, to avoid the draft. Oh, really? Oh, yes. The Vietnam War was going on. It was, it was raging pretty bad. Mm. Uh, but I wanted to be selective in what I did, and I liked to fly. I had not done much flying at that time, just a little bit. But uh, I went Air Force, and I spent a lot of time in the air through those years. Uh, stationed in, uh, of course, everybody in the Air Force goes to San Antonio for basic training, and then when I graduated from that, which and, and you said so you were eighteen when you got when you when you got drafted. No, I did not draft. Oh, you just you joined. Anybody drafted went to the army. Okay. So I wanted oh, to. I didn't want to march where I went. I wanted to fly if I had to go someplace. I got you. So how was you? You applied for the Air Force, and then how was that? Did you have to go through like a lot of basic training and sure. stuff like that? How? Where did you go to basic training at? San Antonio, Florida, uh, Texas. I got you. San how long Antonio. was that for? And it was in January. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> It'd snow in the mornings and burn up in the afternoons. That's just the way the weather was in those days yeah. in, in Texas, and it probably still is. Uh, but I stayed there for, I think, six or eight weeks, basic training. Then I got my orders. I'm going to Shepherd Air Force Base. Then I realized Shepherd Air Force Base was still in Texas. I went 300 miles north, and I was still in Texas. <laughs> I wanted to get out of Texas at that time. <laughs> Today, I like Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I don't like what's going on down there, but Texas is a, is a nice place to hunt, fish, all the above. But uh, so from there, I, I took uh, schooling and uh, more schooling and aircraft studies and things of that nature. In Texas? Uh, still in Texas still at Texas. Shepherd Air Force yeah. Base, Wichita Falls. Wichita Texas. Falls. Wichita Falls, yeah. Wichita Lineman <laughs> by uh, Glenn Campbell. Yeah. Uh, but so... I was there for I think for I was there for several months. I can't remember how many. Then from there, I went home on. No, I didn't go home. I went straight to Florida, and became part of the Air, Air Defense Command, jets and whatever. But fortunately, I got I became one of the members of the Brigadier General, who was uh -huh. the commander of that base. I became part of his team. Just the luck of the draw. So you you were eighteen years old. How how 19. old were you? Oh, 19. 19, I'm sorry. Yeah. How old were you when you first got to, they gave you the, the go-ahead to drive this thing yourself? Oh, the plane? Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't start off that way. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, no, I was driving, they had an aerospace or aero club on base, uh -huh. and that's actually where I learned to fly. And then uh, you don't always know what's going up in the sky. Remember, there's a lot of things happen when you're up there at 35,000 feet. Mm. that's not telecast down to the control towers or other people or to the public. Yeah. So I was able to get under some of the wheels, uh, mm. you know, in the co-pilot seat or whatever several times, and I learned to do that then. Uh, but it was a learning experience, and, and I was there for probably a year and a half, maybe a little longer, and then... Just by the luck of the draw, when I went in the military, they asked you, where would you like to be stationed? Vietnam was not where I wanted to go. You've heard of Vietnam. Oh, yeah. absolutely, well, yeah. yeah. yeah that, was a, that was a sad case in history. 
Um, but I chose Presswick, Scotland. I didn't know much about Presswick, Scotland, and nothing about Presswick. I just knew I liked Scotland because of my geography that I'd studied in high school and, and the, the encyclopedias we had at my dad's house. And uh, so I just picked Presswick, Scotland. I didn't know that there's a small air, uh, air rescue outfit and there was only 82 people on the entire base compared to where I just came from where there's 25,000 uh-huh. in basics and San Antonio and so on. So I went from there and, and, and anyway, as I was leaving Panama City, Florida, or Tunnel Air Force Base, I went home on a 30-day leave before I went overseas. And during that time, I believe it was November 22nd, John F. Kennedy was killed, assassinated. Mm. And uh, so I was walking on the dirt road just between my grandfather's house and my dad's house, you know, five, six hundred yards. And it came across that he had been assassinated. And so, you know, he was our commander in chief. And I'm Republican by birth and everything else. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was a Democrat, but he did a few good things I appreciated. Uh, he stopped Russia from building missiles in Cuba and things like that. So that's what happened during that leave time of 30 days. And there I went to Scotland and uh, flying in over Ireland and Scotland. It was like flying into a magic world of things you read in the books, like, uh, um, well, it was a dream world, little clouds and this and that and the other. And you look down on a, on a fairyland. I, I use that word fairyland in a, in a positive way, but, uh, it was a storybook type thing. And there was, when I landed, I was extremely exhausted. And so I got to my barracks, which was very nice. And uh, I slept for half a day because loss of time mm-hmm. sleeping. And then <clears throat> I was assigned to one of our seven birds, seven planes, air rescue planes. And that's all they did. We didn't have anything else on base except rescue. And uh, we went from there up and down the European coast, Germany. Germany was a, a highlight, Ramstein. We spent a lot of time there, Norway, Oslo. What, what was kind of like the procedure? You just as rescue, what, what were y'all typically doing? Well, we had seven people on, bay, on plane. All planes had a seven-man crew. And on the plane, we carried uh, two flight paramedics. Mm-hmm. And their job, if necessary, was to jump out of that plane and, oh. and rescue whatever was the problem down in the water. Yeah. Did you ever do some parachuting through training or anything? Or no. Nothing? I'm not going out of a perfectly healthy plane. No. <laughs> so you, you've never done it? <laughs> no. I've never done skydiving. I entertained the thought. Yeah, we, we just, how, probably two, three months ago? Yeah, yeah not too did long it. ago we, we did. We jumped out. It wasn't wasn't real, real high. I mean, it's high, but uh, I think like 12,000. I think it was 12,000. 500. So. Over this part of the county? Yes, yeah, Salisbury. Right up here, Salisbury. <clears throat> and yeah. you're flying over my house in a, is a turbo engine plane uh one engine single engine yes yep. and it's the driver the pilot's name's jerry oh really yeah but uh, oh he flies over in all good weather when mm-hmm. you know summer and winter sometimes i'm glad for the bad weather so he won't fly yes, <laughs> so I, I, I can you. hear him up there he's mm-hmm. he circles and circles well, he, and they uh the second they, they it takes a while to climb mm-hmm. the second you know, parachutes jump out. They make sure I was clear, and he just puts it into a nosedive and just comes right down and gets the next group. But that was that was the most 
I come up with the idea. Don't know why. I guess because I was like bucket list, just want to do it, and I got him. I didn't. Then, I didn't really want to do it at first, yeah. but I'm like, I'm, I got to. And I then my to. my two brothers are they're, they're daredevils too. So we signed up and did it. And Salisbury, where we went out of, is kind of not the highest class outfit. Yeah, when you think jumping out of an airplane, skydiving kind of thing, you know, you, it's always assumed with with. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty popular thing. So. We're thinking we're rolling up into a, a place that's going to be pretty high dollar. Yeah, this place, I guess, it looks like a burnt down flea market. <laughs> <laughs> and, and no shame on Salisbury Airport. No, they did good. skydiving. Yeah. It was a good experience, but we just thought for some reason in our head that it was going to be high class. Like a big yeah. white building with glass windows. <laughs> and yeah. Space could. <laughs> and we pulled yeah. up and it was. Uh, it was tents set up outside yeah, based, and everything. Yeah, pop up tents, yeah, but it was it was still fun. But we, fun for sure. Yeah, we got to twelve twelve five, and I was the first one, unfortunately, to jump out, and uh, that was it was insane to just free fall. Well, it's not NASA with spaceships sitting yeah, outside, yeah. rockets. But it was it was it was a cool experience. Just to how long ago was that? It was a couple months ago. Three months, maybe. Okay. Three. Yeah. I was probably looking up and saying, why don't you go home? <laughs> yeah, probably. He's yeah. like a bumblebee circling yeah, up yeah, there. Yeah. But, you know, I can I enjoy that. What did he charge you for the, uh, that type of? Uh, I, don't, I, I don't remember th- what I think you can. I think you can pay to put your life in risk, I think, like 200 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they and I thought it was just going to be like us four or whatever there. We showed up, and there, I swear it's at like 30-some people. They so were getting I, you in and out. They do. They do really good. I don't know what the instructors make, but because it was all tandem jump. We Someone strapped our back. Uh, we didn't obviously jump by ourselves. And uh, uh, You had an instructor hold correct, it. Correct, yeah. yeah I think, oh, yeah, first I think, time shot. I forget what it was. He said you jump out, you tandem jump like three, four, five times, and you yeah. got to have like an eight-hour class, and then you're certified like that, and you can jump out on your own. But um, I know – even if they would have gave me the option, I, th- I would have wanted someone professional scrapping my back and say, hey, we, it's mm. kind of weird putting your life in someone's hands you don't never know, but uh, those guys would just jump out like every single day or something. They, little, they got a little oh, yeah. screw loose or something going on, but yeah. they... Undoubtedly, their shoots opened every time. Yeah, they, they do. Yeah, so far so good. I, so, so you were doing you were doing some uh, rescue out there. Rescue. Um, uh, and you said, was it Scotland? Scotland. Okay. That was our base press at Scotland. I just wanted to make sure I heard that right. Okay. Oh, yes. Uh, I liked it. Mm-hmm. If they'd left me there instead of sending, wanting to close down, they closed down the base after about uh, close to a year and a half, almost two years, they closed it down. And I had the option, of course, because I'd been in, in there quite a while, to either depart the Air Force or go to Maroon, Spain. I did not want to go to Maroon, Spain after living in, in glory land of Scotland. And this is, I don't know if this is something we'll put on the air here or not, but um, before I went to Scotland, some of the old sergeants around there were saying, oh, we went through Scotland. We didn't, we wasn't stationed there, but we've flown through there, and we know the population of the girl is nine to one. <laughs> so I was looking forward to that, and they said, and the clothes were outstanding. Not nine to one? Nine, nine to one. one. Dude, man, I'm sure you You ready to go? T- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get the plane, Jerry. You fly. Yeah. We'll get there. Oh, We're we, going, God, tonight. <laughs> oh, you got it parked outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't believe that yeah. truck would buy it. Yeah. Oh, but it was good. Uh, and the clothing, a lot of wool. And so I was there probably about three months, and I had some custom-made suits made. And the problem with that, though, is that you lose the value of a dollar. Because even on Air Force salary, we were considered rich. Because in those days, 
uh, an average weekly salary for a man that's paying, being paid real good is about $35 American coins. And the American dollar is very strong because they were in sterling money, currency, and uh, each pound would represent about $2.80 of American money. So I'd go have these suits made, and I bought shoes that were uh, called pony skin. It would hair on them, hair oh, all wow. around it, just really nice. And, and so they said, oh, it's 30 So I was thinking $30. Multiply that by three is 90-something, 90 90, $90 roughly. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, did, I just paid it. But the pound was what they referred to, shillings and pounds and sixpence. That was the you know, sterling coins, and it still is except the values of the dollar and the pound changes a lot with politics and time. Yeah. But you I'm, figure that was back in 64, I think. Yeah, so I'm, I'm still I'm still caught up on this 9 to 1 ratio here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 9, 9 to 1 can be really good or it can be really bad. Was the women, was they, was they okay to look at or is that a little, <laughs> I mean, you know. Folks, do you hear that? Yeah, yeah, I'm just, We're just a couple of young guys. Uh, one's 24. <laughs> 26. 26 and 79. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have precious memories, my friends. Precious memory. Remember, these friends are forever in here. So yeah. uh, what we say stays in this room, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> sure is. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it was nine to one, and the girls were the pretty. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I was, yeah. uh, you know, I was. If you close one eye, right? <laughs> and then the other one. <laughs> <laughs> this is my girlfriend this is the other girl yeah. <laughs> um, they they were good people but we were warned when we got the base the commander had to talk to us a little bit young troops coming in young guys and like I say there's only 82 people on the entire base and I was the new one there and so I had to meet with the commander and he'd tell us what uh, what we should look for he said now the girls here in Scotland they've got a cash register in one hand and a Statue of Liberty in the other. They wanted to marry some of them, but oh, wow. that was just, that's just some. Was and some did while I was there. They went with, met airmen that uh, they fell in love with supposedly and was came it, to America. Uh, were they very well like mannered over there? Like everything? Oh, treated yeah, what, like, what was the atmosphere like over there? It's some of the finest in the world. And I'm still friends with a lot of my Scottish friends. Now some of them passed on, the older ones, uh, because I was a young, young fella. And so I made friends a lot of times with people that was in their 30s. And uh, so uh, they had children, 15 years old and stuff like that, about that age, or a few of them. And uh, Nancy and I have been back to Scotland. I've been back about five times. She's been there twice. I think she's been there twice. And some of my Scottish friends come to visit with us here. You can't see that hand going back early. <laughs> come to visit us here in the, in the States. And uh, we're lifetime friends. We talk to each other on the phones probably, you know, at least once a month. And as I've written here, a lot of many places I've been, I met fine people, good people. Mm -hmm. uh, the bad ones I don't associate with and uh, or eliminate. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> associate with. And so they were very, very nice people, very cordial. Uh, I became friends with them. And they shared their lives and their homes with me. I lived, I had one of the four cars that was on base. The first thing I did when I got there was to buy a car. It was a 56 Chevrolet station wagon. 
a real two-tone cream puff, you know, it was nice. <laughs> and it was a big, what they called in Scotland, an estate car. Mm-hmm. And they didn't see those. Only the royalty drove state cars like the Dukes and the, not the Dukes of Hazard, but the, no. Du- no, the Dukes and the royal family. Mm-hmm. But it was a big car, and uh, so it got attention. And mm-hmm. I kept it about, I'm sorry, I kept it about uh, three or four months, and so um, I was able to uh, acquire a sports car, well, mm-hmm. a British sports car. It was a uh, Sunbeam. And they had his own. I've got pictures of it somewhere, maybe here. But uh, so I, I wanted to be versatile and be able to travel all over the country. And I could go anytime. Anytime my plane wasn't flying, I traveled. And I knew that it was only going to fly maybe once a week or maybe a week after next. And so anytime it was sitting still, I could go. That's the way it was. It needed me. The whole crew was off. And so um, I made a lot of friends. And went to some of their weddings, stayed in some of their homes. And uh, you like hunting, both of you do. And so, we're not televised this one in Britain, but a good friend of mine, or the base secretary, the commander secretary was Scottish. And uh, she introduced me to her husband, who introduced me to a gamekeeper, the chief gamekeeper. And uh, he and I got acquainted and so on. and, and uh, his job was to maintain the herds of red deer, red stags, and you've heard of them. In fact, there's pictures of them there. And so, again, with my casual attitude, we became friends, and I lived at his house sometimes. I'd take a, a leave of absence, and I hunted red stags and roebucks in Scotland, which was against the law. <laughs> <laughs> now, is this did this kind of kick off your, your um, love for hunting, or was it more of a... I grew, was it just, up, you grew up you grew up hunting I grew up following my dad through the woods with a little double barrel play shotgun mm-hmm. where you open it up like it and put rocks in it and I'd walk along behind him you know stumble around and fall around but I was so glad to be behind my dad and he hit but we only had squirrels and rabbits at that time there was no squirrels or turkey I mean excuse me deer or turkey in this area really at that time no, no deer, deer no turkey no wild boar anything of that nature so rabbits and squirrel was the big game and uh, so that's what I grew up with. And so uh, actually we started getting deer down at Uwari, Mar Mountain. Okay, yeah. And uh, Uwari was the, the game, the hunting place that people would go to from all around uh, after I came out of the military. But over there I killed a, a couple of red stags, roebuck, and uh, the queen didn't know anything about it. <laughs> and, and now, so, so kind of, Moving on with what you were talking about, how long did you stay in Portland? Oh, or I'm sorry, not Portland, uh, Scotland. Scotland. I'm sorry. Uh, about a couple of years. And mm-hmm. then they, the word came from the states that we were going to close down that rescue outfit. And everyone was either going to ship them around Spain to another rescue situation. Or if you had enough time in, you could depart the military. I chose to depart. And uh, so... I hated to leave because I have great friends there. I lived mm-hmm. among the people. Anytime uh, the plane wasn't flying, I left the base because right. I had a car, one of the few. And so we traveled all over Scotland. And it's a wonderful country. Went to mm-hmm. Ireland, spent time in Ireland, climbing, mm-hmm. driving around. And and so so you come back after <clears throat> after Scotland. You come back over to the U.S. I came to the U.S. Kind of a fresh start. 
what did you do from there? I went into, I was contacted by the insurance company <clears throat> and I went with them. How did that, was that just like job searching? Job, no, job recruiting. There were, I had a friend from high school that was involved with the insurance company and they knew I was out of the military and so they came looking for, for an agent, a possible agent. And uh, so I went in, was interviewed and all this other stuff. And, and then um, I went on with the insurance company and, and I think two and a half years I became associate manager and I went on from there. I was transferred to Asheville, North Carolina. And from there, uh, I came back to, after three years I was there, I came back to Kannapolis and took another promotion to Virginia Beach, or actually Norfolk, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And so I stayed with the insurance company for 11 years, and I thought that was the name of the game. You know, you, you needed a wife and your family to go up the corporate ladder in those days. And so I had both. And uh, the thing that disillusioned me about the insurance company was that I paid a claim. Well, I had a claim, a 19-year-old boy's name was Mark Smith. I sold him a policy, and... He stood on the back door of his step. His mother was a widow. And he said, Jerry, if something happens to me, and the reason he said that was because in three, and right after I left, within a week, he was going to Vietnam. And he said, Jerry, if something happens to me, will you make sure my mother gets this money? Three weeks later, Mark Smith was shot through the head. Wow. And uh, so I, I went out there with sadness, and, and I made out the claim. I sent it into the company, and they sent back and said, no, this was a, uh, this had a war clause in it. No, it did not. They just had it worded. So they wasn't going to pay the claim. So I took it to my attorney in Asheville. He wrote a letter and they sent the money. So that's the way it was. Uh. And that disillusioned me about insurance companies. Uh, and I still feel that way. They're out to make money, just like credit card companies and any other business. And there's nothing wrong with uh, capitalism, I guess. you got to make money to stay in business. But I like good ethics, mm -hmm. and I didn't see it there. And, and so you said uh, Asheville, Virginia. I went from Asheville on into Virginia. I stayed with the insurance company. Uh, Did you go anywhere else, or just those two places while you were insurance? Uh, that was it. I went mm -hmm. to Norfolk, or Virginia, and uh, I was associate manager there, and I did... You know, I did what I was supposed to do, and then as soon as I was vested, vested retirement, I retired. And from there, I went to Oregon. Uh, what's what's age, age time, year, what what are we talking about here? 70, probably about 75, 70, no, 78, I left the insurance company. 77, I think. And I went to Oregon and got very fortunate, put in my uh, resumes and things of that nature, and my history spoke for itself, and I had some good... Reports. What made you want to go to Oregon? Uh, it was a little bit like Scotland. Oh, was it? Except bigger, oh, larger, wow. and elk hunting. And uh, yeah, I'd read a lot about it. Remember, I was a geography nut. Mm -hmm. Not a nut, but a scholar in a way in my own, in my own mind. And uh, so I spent the next, well, about 12, 13 years in Oregon. I had an office there and people working for me, supervising. Also, you, you started your own... Uh, no, I worked for a large company, but I was the man downtown. The home office was across the uh, 
do you see this? <laughs> Across the city. Uh, Portland used to be a very clean city of roses. You'll hear that occasionally. It was the city of roses, very clean, very nice. And uh, so I was real proud of that. We introduced the first, uh, uh, let's see, we had, I believe, 1,800 employees. And 31 of them, all women, worked for me. They reported to me. Nobody worked for me. They reported to me, and I was their manager. But uh, the light rail system came to Portland, and we developed that. And uh, so I was real proud of that accomplishment. Uh, now, um, I know this kind of seems like around the time that maybe you met Nancy. No, uh, I was single. Right, oh, okay. The, the entire time I was in, uh, my wife and I separated uh, back in Virginia somewhat. Mm -hmm. And uh, she had a career of her own, and that was fine. Uh, we just walked different paths. Right. So uh, n I had friends in, uh, in Portland, because there's another one of the nine to ones it seemed like. <laughs> <laughs> I think they I think start, they had the prettiest girls I'm in the whole country. Down these places yeah, yeah, they're gonna, well, yeah. they're gonna take a visit, vacation, <laughs> a long weekend. Well, Portland's not what it once was. Right. It's right. changed a lot in the last two or three years with all the radical stuff going on. But uh, I enjoyed that. I had some celebrity um, because of who I was, where I was and uh, some celebrity, celebrity attention. In fact, there was a time that I entertained running for mayor of Portland. Oh, really? I did. I entertained it seriously. Uh, it would have been a struggle, but I had a lot of support from the company I was with because they carried a pretty big stick. And and that was kind of one of the things I was going to touch on. Is we, we were talking on the phone the other day, and this is one thing I didn't know, is that you ran for county commissioner. I did. Where was this at? This was in Cabarrus County. When I came back, after 11 years, my my dad went away. Okay. Passed yeah, away. I was just curious, and I don't, I don't want to stop you on, on the organ, but I was just curious. We'll touch on that, I guess, whenever we okay, get Okay, whenever this three hours goes away. <laughs> when, you're both, when you're both exhausted. Because, uh, like I said to you earlier, Nancy said, you'll never be lost for words. Yeah. How <laughs> was the, the gift of the gab. How was the, uh, what, would you, what did you want to run for mayor? What was, what was the drive in that? Uh, Probably vanity, <laughs> pride. Uh, I know I felt like I had, uh, I had a good backing and a history, and uh, in fact, the secretary of transportation was hired out of Portland with, from our company. Back, at, I think it was. I forget. Reagan might have been in charge of that, but uh, that was the main thing. Was just I like being in charge, mm -hmm. and. Uh, Control what it is controlling my own atmosphere. I, I, I did okay in the military, and I know how to follow orders and things of that nature. But I like to control my own area mm -hmm. of freedom. You all have a certain amount of freedom, and then there's perimeters that we have to deal with, and that's called the law, the law of the land, uh, traffic situations, and and the people you work for, and uh, so anyway, who, whoever pays your salary, that's the ones you listen to. Yes, and, that's what they say the <clears throat> biggest freedom is like working for yourself because mm -hmm. you know, I mean you got to live if you live by moral stuff like that but then like I mean you're your own boss you make the rules if you want to go hunting you go hunting if you want to go fishing you know that's take right off and go fishing well, Free was, freedom I was fortunate enough to have plenty of time away I didn't work by the hour I was on uh, salary so I could fish and hunt elk black-tailed deer um, mule deer 
and I got I became involved with a ranch that I mentioned to you. I think there's pictures in there of the ranch. It's 25 square miles. And you got involved in the ranch in Oregon. In Oregon, it was eastern. It was eastern Oregon. Mm. It was about 123 miles from my office downtown Portland mm -hmm. to uh, down to Columbia Gorge. You've heard of the Columbia River, probably. You've heard of Mount St. Helens blowing up. Yeah, in 1980. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was there when that happened. Oh wow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was at the, at the coast when that happened. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a moment, but. Uh, the Lum Rancher and I, who is six foot seven, it, we when we walk beside each other, it looked like Mutt and Jeff. But we're very close friends, and that's where I was the whole month of May this year. I was out on the ranch. I had no, what one purpose was to reunite with a good friend of mine and his cow hands and driving cattle. There's pictures of there and there, uh, and branding and all the stuff that you do on a ranch. But I go back once in a while and get renewed with that, and. Uh, and how big did you say this ranch was? 25 square miles, which was it like basically... 60,000 acres? I don't know what that would be. 16,000, right. I think, is about 25 oh. square miles. And mm -hmm. uh, it's been the family, but maybe 170 <laughs> years or so. And uh, you can see up on certain parts of the land, <clears throat> the hills, uh, things don't disappear out there like they do here because of weather. The ruts where wagon trains had traveled on certain parts you know, of the of the ranch, and there are deep ruts like that. And uh, you can put automobiles out there and they'll rust a little bit, but they're still there 100 years later. Wow. You know, things just don't deteriorate due to the fact that it's dry air. The ranch was at an elevation of about 4,000 feet on the, on the east side of Mount Hood. Uh, and we'll talk about Mount Hood. And the high countries where we drove the cattle in the summer and uh, and and May, and it was about six thousand feet. And I look at that land; it's called high desert, but it wasn't desert. It's just dry grass and things. And I look at that land; I think nothing could eat this and live on it. Those cows got fat. <laughs> <laughs> it was we run about uh, anywhere from twelve to fourteen hundred cattle, head oh, wow. of cattle, and mm. nine bulls. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Those bulls were bad. They're two thousand pound animals. Yeah. I get running your own ranch. You don't. You don't get weekends. You. You. That's seven days a week, isn't it? Well, especially if it's a dairy dairy ranch. This is not a dairy ranch. Uh -huh. This was uh, Angus and Herefords, the black cows and mm -hmm. white faced cows. So you can put them out to pasture and not check on them for two a month if necessary if they're on good grass and good uh -huh. land. Uh, so you're not confined as much, but there's always things to do on the ranch. Right. Always mending fences and. Uh, Something gets hurt and you have predators, you know, coyotes and things like that. When the calves are dropped in, in February and March, we'd drop about uh, 280 calves. And especially little black calves, when they came out, mm -hmm. they were black. And by the time they hit the ground and stood up a little bit, they'd turn white because of the frost. They were wet. You oh, know, yeah. And no, they'd just yeah. frost them. And that's good because in that time of the year, you think, why would you have babies being born in in uh, the middle of the winter, insects, no insects, uh, disease was rare. That makes sense because I knew a cattle farmer and he uh, he would just let his bull out certain times of the year so they would give birth like springtime and stuff like that. But that doesn't mm -hmm. make sense that during the winter because he tried to stay away from the cold weather, but obviously yeah, he'd be dealing with insects. I didn't think about anything like that. Well, I got accustomed to <clears throat> cold weather like in Scotland and uh, – 
so Oregon, that was a, a draw for me to be in cooler weather because there are 75 degrees. It could be, it could be 80, 85 degrees and it felt like it's 73, something of that mm -hmm. nature. Humidity was very low uh, compared to back here. When I came back, when my dad died, the one I dreaded, thing I dreaded coming back was the humidity. Oh yeah, yeah. And the chiggers. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I was in a, I was in a uh, week and a half ago, I was in Texas and um, it was like 84 there. And it did, it did not. No, you don't it feel felt, it. It felt like 74. It was, was it? it was very, the air, it was weird from being here and then there. Yeah. You can tell, like, you, you know, your body's like, whoa. Oh, the humidity here can be 93, <clears throat> 3%. Yeah, terrible. And, and Oregon, it looked like maybe 28, 29%. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's lighter. I thought, like, the air felt better. It was, it was, it was um, nice. I like cooler climate. Mm -hmm. Now, you said, um, was this a family ranch? No. As I said about in Scotland and Newfoundland, and I didn't talk about Newfoundland yet, uh, I became friends with the people. Uh, I deal with people. I always have. Since I've reached 17 years of age, I started learning that I could speak or talk too much sometimes. But uh, someone introduced me to the ranch, and those people passed on. They were older people, and I'm still a member of the ranch. And uh, like I say, he's six foot seven. And Mutt and Jeff, when we walk together, but we ride horses, and uh, he had had the biggest horse on the ranch. <laughs> and oh, uh, that's a big dude. Oh, he, he's a big dude, but uh, he was a good man and very, very smart. Mm. Um, looking through this, I think maybe. Well, hunting is a big highlight with you, you guys. Oh yeah, no, that, yeah, we we love it. Passion for sure. Yeah. Well, the first buck I killed whitetail was in Florida. I was going to flight school in Pensacola, and I'd go to school in the mornings and hunt in the swamps out there in the evenings right along mm -hmm. the Gulf of Mexico. So I killed that little seven-point, which I'm so proud of, oh, yeah, with, a, yeah. with a bow, uh, a bare magnum, and I'm so proud of that. How was that hunting like? Uh, rattlesnakes crawl that land a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I just climbed up in the tree and I, you know, I hunted three or four times, four, three or four days before the bucks came close enough. And I shot this buck with a bow, <clears throat> with arrow. And so I climbed out of the tree and I took care of it. And uh, the next day I went back to the scene of the crime after I had him pro mm -hmm. being processed at a grocery store. And uh, I went to the exact place that I, the day before, early in the, early in the day, I, I'd laid down and took a little nap and that's sawgrass mm -hmm. like this. And I went back to that same place where I, I could see where I'd been lying. And I looked right there about seven or eight feet back was a they rattlesnake, a big timber rattlesnake, just crawling, uh, not timber, but uh, diamond back. Yeah. Just crawling along and like, like that. Fat, mm. And I didn't lay down that sawgrass anymore. No more. I, In fact, I was shipping out the next, <laughs> next two days yeah. going to uh, getting ready to go to Scotland. No. Yeah, I was going to Scotland. Yeah. A, a bare magnum, what was we, uh, what yeah. we talking like poundage-wise? It couldn't have been crazy much, right? It was 30? a 50 pound. Okay, yeah. 50 pound. Uh, was it a big old heavy aluminum arrow? No, it, uh, I, I forget just what arrow like. It was a 50 pound recurve. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. 50 pound recurve, and at the minimum, uh, power for a bow had to be a bow was had to be 45 pounds okay so still like today yeah okay and so it's 50 pound 52 inch bow and i still have it i mean it's an antique now and oh, i still have it yeah. 
and uh, it did the job, and I carried it to Scotland. I carried it to Florida. I carried it to Scotland, hunted over there with it, hunted foxes and rabbits, hare, what they call H-A-R-E, hare. Uh, so uh, where are we going? All right, uh, 10, 11 years ago, you know, I left Oregon and all that and came back here when Dad passed away. And uh, Mother passed on. And then meantime, that's when I met Nancy. And actually, she sung for his funeral, and I didn't know who she was. And one day she was up in the church choir, and I said, Mother, who is that? That blue-eyed blonde. And I was a lot younger, and she was too. And she told me. And so I was on my radar. Mm -hmm. And so she's a straight-up girl. And uh, we met. We've been married for 24 years. And back in 2011 or 2011, I decided I wanted to go to Newfoundland, another cold country, cool, wet, whatever. And so that's where I moose and caribou hunted for two years in a row. And there's pictures there of that too. Um, questions? I mean, uh, yeah, I was just kind of, so I was listening to you while you was going, but... Um, well, I was rattling on. No, you're, <laughs> no, you're fine. No, no you're fine. Um, the, uh, where you say you left off, I kind of, I guess we need to pick up. Uh, so how long, how long did you stay in Oregon? Uh, 12 or 13 years, somewhere in that area. <clears throat> what made you want to come back? My dad died. Yeah. Okay. I should have came back several years before and spent time along the way, but he developed uh, bad lungs mm -hmm. in February. And uh, so it became a terminal thing, and I came back and spent a month before he died mm -hmm. and taken mm -hmm. the Presbyterian Hospital over in Charlotte every day. And how, how old were you at this time when you came back? It's a tough question. At my memory, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I was probably... It's around about... 50. Okay. 48, I mean 49 or 50, I think around 49. And uh, so I took care of him and I came back begrudgingly, not for him, he never knew. It's just I didn't want to live in this part of the country because of the humidity and chiggers. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it was close in, you got so many people here. Out there in 20 minutes from my house, I could be up in the mountains, I could be at the coast fishing in, in an hour and hunt elk in the morning and fish in the afternoon for salmon and, and sturgeon and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Now, when you got back here, what, what were you doing? Still doing the insurance? Or uh, no, no. To... I retired from the insurance, you know, vested retirement, meaning mm -hmm. you get paid a certain amount of money. And so I developed a re vested retirement in West. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I couldn't stay and retire full of retirement because of the situation <coughs> back here. My mother had left mother with no one to take care of her. And so I came back to pick up that situation, and uh, she survived for quite a few years after that. And did a lot of she, her and dad did a lot of traveling. They traveled the United States quite a bit, drove it, and flew a little bit. But uh, I picked up slack with that, and uh, then I went into Rick Hendricks Corporation for three years. The money was nice. I liked commissions, and mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't. You know, I'm a rattler on, I talk, 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 and I was quite successful with it and uh, did rather good. Uh -huh. And so I made some money. And during that time, I met Nancy. And uh, the, things went on for about a year and a half. And then I chased her till she caught me. 
and that's the, that's the way that rolled out. <laughs> and and uh, I'm still chasing her. She still catches me. <laughs> uh, she's quite the girl. That's awesome. Um, so of everything you've you've hunted, what's your what's your number one favorite animal to go after? Each animal is a trophy. Okay. You take a, a spike down white-tailed deer or a mule deer or black-tailed deer, and I've hunted all. Uh, every day is a every deer. Every animal is a trophy, and that's what I'd tell my hunting camp when I was president of it. Whatever you kill, doe, spike, 10-point, they're all trophies. They're all alive, and and make use of everything you kill. Uh, as far as the most popular hunt, uh, they all had their merits. Black-tailed deal in Oregon, they're difficult most of the time because they stay in the bush, and I was through my years, I was able to collect eight or nine of them. And there's some of them hanging on the wall at the house. Uh, they're out in the garage. <laughs> she she likes white tail and, and moose and things like that. And then you had elk, and I was able to get a couple of those through the years. And uh, What was your favorite elk hunt? <clears throat> probably with a bow. The first elk I killed was with a bow, and it was in eastern Oregon. Uh, uh, they have the two types of elk, the Rocky Mountain elk and the Roosevelt elk. Roosevelt are heavier animals. They'll top a thousand pounds or more. And the Rocky Mountain, they're looking at 800 to maybe a little more than that. Now, uh, headgear-wise, uh, is it bigger antlers for the Roosevelt? Cause the the Roosevelt body? has yeah. actually, some of them are really heavy antlers. They yeah. are heavy, but normally they don't have the classic uh, racks that a uh, Rocky, Mountain. Rocky Mountain elk okay. has. But they're, they're beautiful animals and very difficult to hunt because they're in the bush. I mean, they're, they're, uh -huh. they have a lot of forest and, and, and they're all over in western, along the coast coastline, coastal mountains and things. But you said in Oregon you had both. I have so both. So it was a bit on like territory, like western, eastern kind of thing, or is it just as mixed in together? Well, the Rocky Mountain was basically, basically east of Mount Hood. Okay. And you've probably seen pictures of Mount Hood. It's uh, 11,000 some feet tall. That's where I did a lot of skiing and and uh, spent a lot of time up around Timberland Lodge. But uh, and you know that's fairly fairly tall. But mm -hmm. uh, east of that was where most of your Rocky Mountain came from. To the west, you'd start picking up a few mule deer and and then just a few. Most of that was blacktail deer, and uh, the blacktail deer basically they're. Most of the time, they were larger than the white-tailed deer here. Oh, really? But they, but they considered them the little black deer because mm. a mule deer could go 400 pounds, you know. Yeah, I always thought black tail was small, small, but that's no, not true. Mm. No, I, I, the smallest deer I know of is a Key West deer. Uh, yeah, about, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, the Roebucks in Scotland, they get about 60 or 70 pounds. That's cool. uh, and then, of course, your Roosevelt is coastal deer. Anything from <clears throat> Mount Hood West, you can get into co uh, Roosevelt. Now, sidetrack here. When did you get into the uh, the narration? You see, you, so you told me that you were doing a little bit of narrating for uh, what was it, the church? Well, I did it for political reasons and this and that and the other. But my first, I gave lectures to banks and things of that nature for my company, uh, as far as transportation training and things of that nature. I, I'd have an audience of the bank. Uh, they'd have maybe ten, twenty girl, people in there. And so that was the beginning of it. And, you know, I was very extroverted. And uh, 
knowledge is power, and I had more knowledge about transportation in certain places than they did. Oh, they were smarter in the accounting than I was, even though that's what part of my job was, uh, to regularly accounting within the company, and a certain segment of it. But uh, that's where I first started speaking in, in public a lot. And then when I came back to North Carolina, uh, a couple of people were running for sheriff at different times, and they asked me to do some uh, voiceovers and narrate some of their political messages, and they would be televised. What was it? What was the what they key in on that? I guess it's that it's that deep voice you got and the the. Uh, oh, do the I demeanor. have one of those? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I think it's just perhaps a mixture of. Like I, I guess my. More of my point of that is, why did they pick you, right? Uh, the voice. Okay. That's mainly it. Uh, I never thought my voice was of, of that caliber that people would want to hear it. Mm -hmm. Because when I was out west, I think I mentioned this to you on the phone, I could never have been an obscene caller because they'd know exactly where I was. <laughs> so uh, telephone-wise for uh I came back and, and, like I say, two of my friends at different times were running for sheriff and they wanted me to do narrations for their videos and so on like that. Over voice, or voiceovers, I guess you'd call it. What, and, kind of, what, were, what were some things that you do? What were these uh, videos of? Well, there's their ideas about how they'd run the county, uh, what they're intended to do, and uh, what they expected from the county, what the county should expect from them, what their, just what their plans were. And of course, there, it'd be a video, so I was narrating what they were doing sometimes, and uh, you see this person doing that, he's among the people, and he's a people person. Can, can you give me an example? Well. Of how your narration would go? It went okay, it's just neither one of those two won the election. <laughs> they, they were uh, basically Republican, and that's a very democratic city in Concord, North Carolina, Cabarrus County, and they still are. Uh, like I say, I'm trying a little bit to stay out of the political force, but I'll tell you now, I'm Republican, I'm a supporter of the Second Amendment, I believe no, we all need to be there. Ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, oh, absolutely yeah. not, and uh, freedom of speech, uh, as you've heard, you've got to have a Second Amendment to enforce the First Amendment. Yes, I don't know. I don't like at all what's going on in, in politics now, mm. and I'm just hoping. You hear this, folks? I'm just hoping that the Republicans take the House and the Senate. In the, in the I, I got a real good feeling. I do. I think. I think. Uh, this, obviously, we ain't been on this earth real long, or I honestly don't dabble into it too much, but with social media is insane now, especially us, you know, we're glued mm -hmm. to our phones and stuff. I I think it's a real eye-opener that even on, even on like, the, you know, the left side, they even they're going like, man, this ain't, this ain't the best we could do, you know, because even, even as Republicans, I would respect a Democratic leader if they was a good person, tried real good, they just had a couple different beliefs. That's, that's fine, you know, do your thing, but... Obviously, what we got going on now, it's, it's Looney Tunes up in the in the White House or something like that. Looney Tune is right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. America yeah. is in jeopardy right as we speak. Oh, 100%. It is in jeopardy. It's, it's a We time. have lost respect all over the world. Yes. And here I go. I, I get on a soapbox with this, and folks, you can hear it. Um, 
You didn't have to like Trump. I mean, you heard this before. You didn't have to like Trump or anyone else, but you can like what they do or, and dislike what they don't do or some of the bad things. So uh, I'm a supporter of people like Trump, Nikki Higley, some of the other top politicians in the Republican field. And, and, and just like you said, Max, I judge a person by what they say and do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And not the political party. Yeah, we, we could have different opinions. If, if you're a good person and do by the right thing and mm-hmm. treat me respect, I mean, that's, that's don't matter who you are. But, yeah, it's a... Uh, well, my son works for the for the state. He doesn't really like the state. He don't like he doesn't like politics. In fact, he's an independent. I didn't know that for a long time because he he didn't talk about who he voted for and whatever. But he wants that choice, so he can go either way depending on the person. And uh, of course, my two daughters one lives in California, one lives in Virginia Beach. They're all three doing very well, success you know very successful in the the financial world, and and their ethics are good and. Uh, so, but they're strict Republican all the way. And I'm sort of thankful for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I got a, I got a best friend. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a big family. Well, it ain't too big a family. You know, mom or mom, stepdad, two older brothers and him. And just, just him and one of his brothers are just, I wouldn't say hardcore, but on the Republican side. And then his mom, stepdad, and his older brother, like real bad liberal. And... Obviously, they have to make it work because they're family, but mm. even Thanksgiving or Christmas, something will get brought up, and he's like, it's absolutely terrible, awkward. And he's like, they'll ruin a Thanksgiving in a heartbeat. Someone mm. just brings something up, and you got, obviously, you love your mom and Tension. dad. Yeah, and it does. And, <clears throat> and it, it's so weird because his, his uh, mom and stepdad, I mean, live out, I guess you would say country, you know, Second Amendment supporters, stuff like that, but just despise Trump, hated Trump, and it's, it's almost like a, like instead of thinking for themselves, it's like a brainwash. Because I mean, if, if you just if you're an intelligent human being, think for yourself. I mean, you yeah. ain't got like you said, you ain't got to like the guy, but you gotta be like, well, this guy's definitely not hitting on much. I mean, I don't know, it's it's a crazy, crazy times, crazy world right now for sure. T saying if oh, uh, we'll bring Andy in here. We gonna pause it off. Yeah. Too, but no, all right, now we got oh Andy in here now. But um, I guess continuing on the uh, the narration. So you did that for a little bit. Uh, I kind of do it on videos the, and on stuff request. like that. And I do it in the church. And Nancy's real strong in the church. I'm not so much. I mean, I go because she wants me to be there. Uh-huh. And uh, mainly my job in the church is I protect the church. I'm the guy that sits where I can see all three doors. Right. Because all this mess going on in the church. Oh, yeah. Not too far back. No, you're you, you fine. You do. You good. All this mess going in the different churches. Uh like that in Texas, I believe it was, where this older gentleman was across, lived across the street from the church, and he heard some shooting going on. He ran across the street with his gun, and he took the guy out. They had to get him a little later, further down the road. He wounded him, and he, of course, he's dead. But later on in the paper, there's a kind of a caption with a picture of this older gentleman standing in the church, and it says, a good man with a gun. He yep. saved a lot of lives that oh, day. Yeah. You might remember that. Mm-hmm. And I remember something uh, in Texas about like that. Mm-hmm. Somebody pulled a gun in church, and he picked the wrong church because there was like 10 <laughs> or 12 people pulled <laughs> yeah. a gun on him. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I, yeah. It's, it's wild, though, the, the publicity, though, of someone, a good person with a gun, stopping a bad person with a gun, how far right. it makes it throughout the it news. Don't. It don't. No. Oh, no. It stops as soon as it hits the right. Democrat Main, papers. Mainstream media. That's right. 
Yeah, whoever controls the narrative, and they do. So and you're exactly right. As as sad, it's like that, but this was the land of the free at one time, and you're proud to be here. But we don't carry a good reputation in the world right now because we're seen as weak, and all that comes from the White House right now. Yeah. Oh, I just it bothered me. I got to stay off of that. <laughs> I guess I get a little. This in your way. Oh no, you're fine. Um, but where are we going? Um, what you got on your paper over there? I don't uh, want to skip any of our of your good yeah, stuff. Man, this guy oh, no, comes this just, prepared. <laughs> he brought notes. That's awesome. This just uh, talks about the years I was in different programs, the Boost and Caribou in Newfoundland, which I'll, re I'll highlight on that just a little bit if you don't mind. Yeah, go uh, ahead. I went to, started in Newfoundland in 2011, and uh, the, the, the guide, you've got to have a guide if you're Now, where's this at? Newfoundland. <coughs> Newfoundland is a province of Canada. Okay. In the north, very northeast. Uh-huh. And it's sort of a huge, huge island surrounded by water. Wow. But, in fact, getting from there, you know, went through Nova Scotia and, and, and so on, getting to the port, leaving over to Newfoundland is a overnight trip on, by ship. Oh, wow. So I took my trip, my, my, my bus, or excuse me, <laughs> uh, my truck onto the big ship. Mm -hmm. And it was a ship. It had been uh, removed from passenger ship to be in a, a sort of a ferry type thing. But it had passengers and vehicles. And so it's 100 miles across there, across mm. the water. And so I'd get a little cabin and, and I'd sleep part of the way. First time I stayed awake, that's a long trip. That is. But, uh, and it was daylight. But this time I'd make sure I was traveling at night and I'd just get a cabin and sleep. Oh, yeah. That's until what we pulled into the port the next day, yeah. yeah. Then I'd unload and drive about 300 and some miles north and uh, meet my guide. And uh, we became good friends. In fact, he invited me to stay at his, instead of staying at a small motel, Come stay with the family. Oh, that was nice. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so they he had uh, one. They had one daughter, and there's a close knit family in those Protestant uh, Protestants, uh, aunts and uncles and things like that. Mm -hmm. The little daughter is 11 years old. Uh, she was a real treat. Just a beautiful little girl. And uh, of course, I carried handcuffs and all that stuff with me. I'm just that type of guy. Oh, yeah. You don't carry carry pistols into Newfoundland. I mean, uh -huh. into Canada. That's against all the rules. Yeah. But um, my handguns had, to, I mean, my regular hunting rifles had to be registered and all that stuff as I went through this. I um, imagine that was quite the task to make sure you're all... Everything's legal. Yeah, yeah. Well, they sent me paperwork from Canada and the guides and so on. They sent me paperwork, the outfitter, and had everything filled out. I filled out the rest oh, of it. So you had some time to plan I did. to get things right. Oh, yeah. And um, so actually going through... Customs. I was up at the counter, you know, it had three or four customs officers there taking in paperwork and stuff like that. It wasn't a crowd of people, just a few. And I, I questioned the, I was, that was my first time in a moose hunt, the mm -hmm. first time up in 2011. And I questioned the officer there. I said, uh, You like the moose hunt? He says, I root for the moose. Oh, well. Wow. <laughs> no, that, that I immediately went quiet. That, that sums it up right there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I went quiet on that. And he went out and searched my truck inside and out. I oh, mean, wow. all the little crevices and everything. Yeah. But everything passed inspection, That's including good. my guns. And and the next time I went up as a girl officer, and uh, she was just a real sweet lady. And uh, another one of those blue-eyed blondes. But anyway, 
<laughs> Max. <laughs> but anyway, we got along real good. She inspected my gun. She didn't search my truck. And I'd been there before. Yeah, there'd been a record. So that went well. And then I went on up into uh, uh, Newfoundland. Now, you said you drove on that ship. Did you drive? Was you living around here at the time? I drove from here to Newfoundland. How, how, how about how long has that? It's about uh, between 2,000 and 2,800 miles. Mm. And I do a lot of trips, like uh, quite a few trips. And so, I was, like, how many hours? Was that a day and a half? Oh, uh, well, I don't like, I don't mind driving at night, and I do a lot of it. I've done a lot of it. Yeah. But if I pressure myself, I went, I left several days early so I could get there, so I stayed in ho motels. There you go. Yeah. Not rested, neat, good. Not chunks out. Oh, it's yeah. good. And Nancy's all for that. You know, she likes me to travel like that. As oh, it's much safer, I feel like. Now, is, oh, this, yeah. is this in the old Ford parked outside right now? That same green yeah. truck. How many, how many miles on that truck? 141, I think. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, how many miles you put on it? About most of them. Okay. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just... I was just telling Brendan earlier that I just got back from, uh, in May, I was out in Oregon to the oh. ranch. Oh, cool. Uh, we got that 25 square mile ranch out there. Awesome. And uh, I went out to work the ranch because we had cattle being branded and driven mm -hmm. to the high country. And But that uh, was neat. Yeah, uh, there's pictures of it, yeah. some of it. In yeah, fact, there's some right here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or just ranching, I don't know if of that ranch is so. Let's see. Well, I don't know. Well, maybe not that. Yeah, we're, brand, we're branding right there. I went through one. It was uh, yeah, giving, uh, obviously, birthing some calves, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I've seen, that's the typical thing you see is, uh, I saw a chain, chain to them. I mean, I've seen a farmer pull out a calf with oh, a rope. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's pictures right there of that. I've seen a chain, you know, one of yeah, them. Yeah. You put your feet against and. Yeah, well, I've seen, I've seen a calf get stuck, and I've seen a farmer take a rope and a tractor and oh, just do man. it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, but. Calf came out fine, everything, but I don't know. Well, most of them don't, but if you don't get her out and she can't have her regular labor to deliver that calf, she'll die too. Oh, yeah. So you save the cow, sometimes you've just got to sacrifice. You, uh, yeah. And you put a chain in there, and it's, you know, it's, a, it's just life. I mm -hmm. mean, biology was a favorite subject of mine too. And uh, so uh, I've got several pictures there. You might mm -hmm. see the, a calf being pulled. And yeah, uh, let me find one in. if you I don't, just, I just found it. If you don't pull that calf and help her get it out, Herefords. Do you know the difference between Angus and Herefords? Herefords so, is a white-faced red yeah. cow usually, mm -hmm. and some of them are black, but Angus is all black, and uh, normally all black. Now, who, who are we looking at right here? I know that case. Uh, that's my daughter. Okay. She, she's in college, and uh, she'd come out to Oregon while she was in college and visit with me, and we'd we'd go to camp out on Mount Rainier or. Uh, and down the coast. Yeah, Her Herford. Those are Herfords there. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so we drew, went on the ranch. I know I'm just jumping around the subject subject right now, but we'd get groups of maybe 100 to 200 calves, cows and uh, take them to the high country. And back when I was there the first time, there was no such thing as four-wheelers. Mm -hmm. uh, but we had cat horses and four-wheelers on this trip, and... Uh, uh, there's horses go where four-wheelers can't and four-wheelers do it faster when, they, when they're on the road. And, and, the, and the road is so lack of use that we drove cattle right down the paved highway, paved road. Oh, yeah. no traffic. Yeah. And uh, it was about nine miles up the high country. It's like Rawhide back in the days mm -hmm. of that movie Rawhide. It used to come on. 
and I, I enjoyed it. And we'd have food. Usually, time the wives would go ahead in their trucks to the high country, up to another six thousand or something feet, and they'd set up camp up there, and that's they'd have dinner cooking when we'd get there, which would take all day on nine miles driving through, driving cattle through the canyons, and. Uh, it's my kind of life. Yeah, no, that's awesome. If my wife would do it, I would liquidate everything we have here and be in the Northwest. Move yeah. out there. Well, I live there so long. It's, that's where, yeah, I would live she, there. She can't, she can't, she's in North Carolina. She loves it here. She can't leave it. Her church is here. Her family's here in yeah. this area. And we're, all our kids are scattered. Uh, I have a daughter in California, Southern California, and, uh, one in Virginia Beach, mm -hmm. and my son is a wildlife person. Uh, like I say earlier, he he works for the state of North Carolina, but he don't he doesn't like the government of North Carolina, and actually he retires in March. Okay. So uh, he has no he has very little respect for authority like that. What's in North mm -hmm. Carolina right now? So I don't know what you know, exactly what I think he's going to become a. <clears throat> advisor for investments because he's done well in that too along with his work he did with the state so um how did how did you end up with uh the hunting camp or i'm sorry the uh the hunting lease lease yeah uh let's see <clears throat> how I did all, it, how'd all that get started someone someone i had met invited me to the as a gun dealer he had a gun shop and he talked about it and so i went down checked it out and Saw, now I saw what I knew what gun camps were, some of their requirements, and this is the best I've ever seen as far as your own liberty, freedom. You, you've got, you got one stand, two stands, two stands per membership, and you can have them five miles apart, or you can have them together, and you've got a 600 yard shot that nobody's allowed to get on. That's yours. Right. It's like you own your own land. When you put food plots, you can do whatever you want to, plow the ground as long as you don't cut down the trees. Uh -huh. Now, the forestry company wouldn't like that, uh -huh. the timber company. But other than that, it's uh, that's how I got into it. And the membership at that time, I believe, was 300, maybe 350. What year was this? A long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere back in history. Well, it was 20 years ago, tw going on 21 years ago. Oh, that's so right. Yeah, you you do the that. math. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I've been up since four o'clock this morning, so my math might not be just accurate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd be the two thousands. I mean, right, two oh, yeah. thousands, late nineties, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was. It's been good. I've, I've taken a lot of animals. I don't use the word harvest. I take a lot of animals. Some very, very few does. I don't have anything against it. Just don't shoot them in September, or when mm -hmm. they're curing babies. Oh yeah, or yeah. Milking. I don't. I don't like that either. You know, because about ninety percent of them have fawns. And if they don't, it's because the coyotes got them or something like That's that. That's right. Yeah. And I was just telling the guys here a while ago that uh, I hunt with a bow, muzzleloader, and modern rifle mm -hmm. as the seasons come on. Yeah. And uh, year before last, well, yeah, actually it was last year, I think. No, the year before last, I shot a doe in, I have a pretty good sized forest at my farm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I shot a doe, and she didn't go very far, maybe 40 yards, fell over. And when I got to her and checked her, she had milk. Oh, yeah. So that just hurt my feelings for her. Well, and so yeah. I will never kill another doe that early in September, I've, even mid-October. I've shot one the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah, and they have 
Yeah. Still have a milk in the sack. No, like, she was a, I was young, this was my first bow kill. But by that time, surely the fawn can. Well, it, 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 no spots. Yeah. I already lost spots, but it was obviously young, and I, I did feel bad afterwards because I knew that. But, yeah, but all reality, if they're that far along, they're probably going to make it. Yeah. You know? yeah. If they're not drink, if they're not, like, on milk yeah. this know. dough was bag was full and yeah, i yeah. just i just i just hated i did that yeah but of course i i process i do all the processing myself and there's pictures mm -hmm. of that in there too i think um this is my dog out west he was a, a Brittany, and we did a lot of hunting together a bird um, dog mm -hmm. I, I like working dogs oh, yeah. i don't have pets i mean they're pets too i mean he lived in the house with me i was a bachelor at the time <clears throat> so he and i were best buddies when I jump from subject to subject, we would travel across yeah. Oregon, going out to the eastern Oregon for pheasants and so on. And that rascal, <clears throat> you know, like a lot of hotels or motels don't want animals. Mm -hmm. There was those motels out there. They're nice motels. And it says, hunters and dogs welcome. Oh, wow. And so I went, I'd been to it several times. And so it was about 300 miles across there. And Oregon's a big state. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I pulled in the parking lot one, late one Friday evening. And... Uh, he knew what I was going to do. He'd been there several times. And so I went on upstairs and opened the, the door, the second floor. And he went on in. So I went back downstairs to get the luggage for him and me both. He wouldn't carry his own luggage. He was that kind of dog. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm carrying the luggage. I'm struggling getting up the steps. And I get inside the room. And that rascal stretched out on bed, full stretched out with his head on the pillow. <laughs> oh, goodness. He knows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got to uh, save his energy because next day is going to be a work day. Yeah. But he was a great great animal I, I really uh tell us about what was that setup he had out there that day when we was looking at the land so, it was the was it a nine millimeter oh, he had a nine millimeter rifle <coughs> i think rifle yeah, yeah i yeah. couldn't remember what it what what was the D diff, different looking gun i've never seen one like it's that. in the car right now yeah it's, you'll it's, have to check that out when we get done oh yeah it's, 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 it's sitting there i always carried three clips with it and uh, uh there were 10 10 shot clips 10 rounds but uh, that's my boot gun, travel mm -hmm. gun. Yeah. Uh, and when I went out west this time, I carried, I think, six or seven weapons, 44 Magnums and uh, that and uh, an AR. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you, you don't know. Trouble comes to you when you least expect it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't think it's going to happen. Oh, nobody plans for it. Oh, no. Know. And you don't want it. I mean, be prepared. you can plan for it, but you don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah. That's right. Uh, it's like security my home was loaded with security and warning signs, CPI, warning, no yeah. trespass. Oh, wait, I don't say no trust, but CPI, warning. And uh, I feel good since I'm away from the house. Of course, Nancy has her own concealed weapons. You look at her, you saw her. You look at her, you wouldn't think she's that kind. But she'll shoot. <laughs> she go. carries a 380. And she don't miss. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, I, I can show you where she qualified. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And 50 rounds, all of them in him. Mm -hmm. And this instructor said, you trained her well. She likes to shoot for the head. <laughs> they don't go anywhere when you shoot them in the head. Uh, but uh, she does well. And uh, she don't want to hurt anybody, but she would. You, like I said, you saw her picture. Yeah. She don't look like she would. Uh, she, loves, she loves good people, bad people. Yeah. Like Democrats? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, wish, I wish a lot more people would carry and just not, not when they hear a gun, they don't strike it it's fearful you know it's just oh, a, yeah. you know, a way of well i mean it's just like i carry that but right behind that 
is my concealed weapon. And what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got my concealed, and he got his concealed oh, as well. The only way to go, <laughs> yeah, to stay legal. Yeah. Well, I'm not. People have different different mixed feelings on this. I'm not a big fan of open carry because every time I see that, it's like a guy in Walmart and he's yeah. got a big cowboy revolver on. Oh well, yeah. I don't like. I don't want people knowing I have. Absolutely a gun. not. Never. Yeah. yeah. I don't be sitting there eating. I'd my rather food catch them off guard if I have to. Yeah. Have, uh, Jerry, have you ever gotten an encounter like that in, in your life? As far as being like, oh, this is about to, to go talk down. about that. No, we don't have to. Don't I'm have just to. curious. Uh, I did in Oregon. And uh, I didn't have a concealed, well, I had a concealed, but it was from Washington. Oregon's real tight on some of those concealed it, situations. Yeah, did it not transfer? Because some states, um, it won't carry. Well, there's a way at that, that time, I wasn't, concern I wasn't concerned with that. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I carried it concealed all the time. Mm -hmm. But I, I, run, I had a conflict inside of a grocery store. This guy was robbing the, robbing the store. And I walked in and seen him up there. You know, some of these stores have elevated places where the manager is and the safe and all that. And... Uh, I walked around to where he'd gone through the gate and got up there, and he had the manager on the, on his knees taking money out of the safe. And uh, anyway, he kept watching me. I had left my gun in the truck, and I was standing there looking for something to knock him out with can of food or whatever, and I was in the paper department. <laughs> there was nothing but paper. But anyway, finally... He got disgusted and, and concerned about it. He kept looking at me and looking back at the manager. And like I say, the manager's on the floor with a gun to his head, taking money out of the safe. And I'll tell you a little bit about that. Uh, but he, he, had, he had a paper bag and his stuff full of bills. Mm -hmm. And he ran past me and he kept looking at me and I didn't do anything. I couldn't. He had oh, a gun no. and I didn't. Yeah. And he ran past me and ran through the counter. And his paper bag snagged on the countertop and ripped. And you get money went yeah. everywhere. I'll stop this for a moment. No, you you fine. Yeah. Uh, it, it ripped his bag, and money strode out through his front door. You talk about some bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> well. Oh, he had a whole good luck for good guys. But well, the bad guy has an old string of bad luck, and and as we go on with that, he ran, and it's at night, ten thirty at night. And I was headed for the coast to go fishing the next mm -hmm. day, and he, he ran out the front door, money dropping along here and there, and up the sidewalk, and so on. Like an idiot, I chased him out the door, and he was about, you know, 60, 70 foot ahead of me. So he turned around and drew down on me, and I hit the concrete and rolled up against the building to make a small target. Yeah. And uh, he changed his mind. I mean, he was bluffing somewhat, thankfully. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so he disappeared around the corner. The thing is, there was a person driving into the parking lot of the grocery store and saw what was happening, and he gave chase with his car. This guy was having a bad night. He was. He lost his money. He lost uh, and two, some guy chased him and then a car chased him. Wow. I think he, I'm not sure he got away. I, I went on to the coast. You got you got to be careful nowadays with concealing because like uh, cause technically speaking, they'll they'll get you hard if um like someone walks into a grocery store or something and pulls a gun on somebody and then you use lethal force against today, them and yeah. you, you wasn't uh, you was your life wasn't in threat they'll they'll get you well, hard. you gotta be a hundred percent in the right yeah you know like this time of day which i i asked i asked john that our our uncle he's the one who gave us our concealed carry class i asked him i was like hey if, if i'm standing in line at a grocery or a gas station and some guy comes in and then points a gun at the register and says hey give me all your money I was like, is it time, you know, to apply and everything? And he's like, well, it's always a tricky situation until you're in it, and you got to think fast. And he's like, he told me, he's like, Max, I carry my gun to protect me 
in my family, in my own. He's like, now if he's pointing a gun at the register, he's like, best thing you can do is just back up and get out of there. Now the second he swings the gun around, he's like, he's light, done. lights out. Because yeah. now you're you're th- you're, you're you're in threatened yeah, yeah. danger. So. He's well, like he's like you. He's like you'll you'll get in trouble with someone robbing and you just shoot him in the back. And obviously you never ever just you never ever want to use your gun. Never. No. Your whole life you never want to pull it. But obviously, uh, but he says yeah, and just try to avoid the situation the best. Step back. But the second robber swings his gun around, you know you have a problem with me. Swing. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Charlie. Well, it's like sitting in church every Sunday. I'm there for a couple of reasons. One of it is to please my wife. <laughs> and, and the other is, I guess we all know about that as far as what we believe and so on. And I have questions about all of that. But I sit where I can see all three doors. I've said that to the fellas all good. And if a guy comes into a church and he's swinging an AR or pistols or whatever that has been going on for the last several years, uh, he's deadly. And you do have the right to protect property and life. Mm-hmm. And if he's got somebody down, which several years ago somebody walked, some of these guys walked right up through the church shooting people that was hiding in the bleachers, shot them. They oh. wouldn't do anything. He just they shot them. That was several years people, ago. Dan. So if you're saving life, I think that works well. Mm-hmm. But as you said, make sure you, you got to make sure. And uh, but uh, I know like yeah, um, our uncle's church like. I mean, I made the joke for somebody, you know, people were in there wearing blue jeans, hat, drinking coffee during, you know, <laughs> the sermon. And I was like, I was telling my buddy, I can, I can at least count like six people right now concealing a weapon and like mm-hmm. everything's calm, not causing a ruckus. Well, it's, it's a it's good, yeah. plus for me, like, I just feel so much better going out. That's why, concealing I, a well, that's why I go to a movie theater. I go to Tinseltown because they don't have a, no weapons posted. You can carry it in Tinseltown, but you can't carry it at Carolina Mall. Yeah. So, or Walmart openly. Yeah, uh, so they want. They put out a statement last year: no open carry, please. Uh, I didn't. I normally wear a thirty-eight here, mm-hmm. thirty-eight Special Chief, at Smith and Wesson. And uh, today I didn't do it because respect for your house. But nobody knows about this. I can find it. What you got there? Oh, oh, I bet it's a. Uh, Yep, a Dillinger. Uh, a Magnum? Yeah, of, uh, who had one of them? Uh, I've got it in my gun today. Do you? It's yep. my mom's old one. It ain't a, well, it's it, exactly it's tw- like it. 22 Mag? But, <laughs> right here. It's right in there, yep. Nobody knows, and I carry another six bullets. It's a six-shooter. Mm-hmm. And I carry another six. Did y'all hear that? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. But you can't tell us there. Oh, no. no never I'd have known. never known. Yeah. No, I wasn't going to pull this out until we were talking about it, but no. I did in respect for your, where we are. I didn't carry yeah, it into your fine. house, you a 38 or whatever else I might carry. The 44 mag uh, Red Hawk is a little too large. <laughs> Jerry, I, wouldn't, I didn't expect anything less. I'd have expected you to come in with the Texas hat on. And they are across the chest. I, that's how I would have wanted to see you. Oh, would you took a picture? <laughs> I would. Yeah. Then would then would have went visual. Uh, uh, but I'm in. I've enjoyed some of this. You're listening to a lot of rhetoric. Uh, yeah. And yeah, we'll t- uh, what you got on your page. We'll kind of, you know. I don't know what we have about here. About ten, my fifteen minutes. We'll. Yes, mostly talk about. We're down to the area where we're talking about Oregon and and big game and. Uh, we went through the military, we went through air rescue, 
That's so awesome. How many trips and where you've been? Right. I couldn't imagine just going. Okay, I, I got a good question. Question for you, Jerry. Yes, sir. What? Because obviously, obviously, it's a blessing. Many years on this earth. What advice would you give three young gentlemen? Best advice to live out, or the, I guess in their life, or just just it ain't gotta be best advice. Just something you would say. The what? same thing I say to my children, my grown-up children. Mm -hmm. They've got careers of their own. They're all doing well. They don't have to depend on me at all. They they all make more money than I do, uh, so they're very secure. But my advice to them, one statement, be true to yourself and true to your goals. Don't waver off of them. If you've got a good goal and a dream, pursue it. Be true to yourself all along the way. If you realize that you can't make that goal, and you, you just don't believe in what you're doing, back away and change. I have a grandson, my oldest grandson, that lives in California, he's 24. He was going into the medical field, and there's, there's money enough to finance enough to take care of it. But he was in there for a certain period of time, and he realized he doesn't have it here to, to do all the medical mm -hmm. stuff. There's a lot of stuff going oh, on yeah, in the medical yeah. field. So he backed away, and my, my, uh, my daughter and her husband own a company, so now <clears throat> he's in charge of that a certain amount of that company, and that's what he, uh, I think, is uh, something to do with engineering. And uh, so he knows what he's doing. My two granddaughters, they're golfers. In fact, one of them went to San Jose. Oh, really? All paid for. Really? She oh, got scholarships to San Jose. Yeah, they would wax us. They golf? Yeah, we, we're they're not golfing. golfers, but we'll, we'll play We'll play we'll, around we'll the play. golf. Yeah. yeah. I'd have to pick it up and throw it. I, I mean, I can putt, but that's, I can't. That's about what it's come to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, or shoot it out of the air. Yeah. <laughs> but I've got two granddaughters out there. The only two <clears throat> grandchildren, we have, uh, granddaughters in the family, uh, and both of them are golfers. In fact, the one in San Jose, now she's transferring to Hawaii, uh, golfing. Wow. And the that's one, awesome. the younger that's daughter, cool. granddaughter, she just gets out of school this year, and she's already been interviewed uh, by colleges uh, to Oh, that's cool. Go. So, yeah. will she get a free ride? I don't know. But uh, you might disagree with about this. I paid for most of my schooling. Well, some of it. And the military paid for whatever else. Uh, I went, you know, I went to what they call the GI Bill. That's where I started it. Uh -huh. And in, in Scotland, I took some German. And so, because we flew into Germany quite a bit. Uh, but... Uh, this this student loan situation, my kids paid for their college, and they had to make payments on it. I didn't. They didn't get a free ride from me. Mm -hmm. They got mm -hmm. help, but not a free ride. Yeah. And uh, so now you've got kids out there that think it's owed to them. You know, except now, instead of ten or twelve thousand dollars, it's eighty thousand, a hundred and some thousand mm. student loan type thing. And I don't know what the government's want, you know, Biden and his bunch want to make a political statement, 20000 pay off or this, that, and the other. Oh, yeah. But I, I don't think it's right because my wife paid for her. She worked in the summer paying for her oh, college. Yeah. Well, that's well, like, that's well, like, go ahead. Well, you're choosing to go to college, you know. I feel it's like a choice. If, if you cho choose it, I mean, you should be reliable. That's just like you know. 10 years but before. Sorry. There ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of help. Sure. But 
you know, oh, I don't, don't expect it. Yeah, I agree know. with that. But it's almost like, you know, 10 years ago, if you paid off your 100 grand and now they're giving out 20 grand and they owe you 20 grand, you know, that you paid off. And it's like, oh, no, absolutely not. No. So you, it's like, it's, it's. You really don't, a little help, like you say, but you don't owe your, I don't think you owe your children a complete college ride. But my grandson got it. You know, he, he didn't go on scholarships. His parents paid it off. And, uh, and that's, that's up to them. Yeah, that's completely up to them. You know, if yeah. I had children, if you, you could know, do it. Do it. Yeah, if you want to. Yeah. But my own kids, the ones that worked hard to get through college and whatever, they say to me, "Dad, I think we have more of a value of working through our life and paying for most of our college. We have more of a value to it and an appreciation for it. Because my 11 year old daughter was shelling horseman here on the, another farm in Virginia, or Pungo, North Carolina. She was, ho she was shoveling, cleaning out stalls at 11 years old. That's good and, though. Oh, I mean, my, my older daughter, she uh, she waited tables. They they all waited tables. My son was a <coughs> cook and a seafood plaster before they all went to college and during the times of going to college. And it was tough, but yeah. they did it. And I admire them for it. And it's just like a, a text I hear, I have to my, uh, oldest daughter in California, her birthday was this past week, and uh, I sent her a text if I can get this high-tech situation to go somewhere. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have good eyesight now because I had it fixed, <laughs> but up here close it makes it a little clearer, but I can shoot out there a long ways. <laughs> That's my main concern was getting that taken care of. But I'll read you, and you said what advice I would give. <clears throat> I'm going to read you this text, and uh, not that I'm great about everything, whatever. All i got to do now is find out uh, what her name is. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think that starts with an M, Michelle. <laughs> Stay with me for a moment. Fill in the, fill in the gap while I'm looking here. <laughs> okay, there she is, Michelle Parr. And that's something for a family with a last name like Parr, P-A-R, her husband. Okay, yeah. Um, but anyway, this this is the text I sent Michelle somewhere, and 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 and, and whatever. Okay, uh, here's what that said. Okay, somebody else say something. I'm. <laughs> I don't, We're I putting think, you on the spot. I think I, I think oh, I'm I'll, curious if this text. Would, would Papa, did you ever shoot at the Salisbury Gun Club? I did. Skeet and try. I remember that. So it went from that. I don't know what all who's all bought it stuff, but it went to uh, the guys who ran Blue Collar Reloading, bought it, and it was still plain Jane. You used to go up there shoot everything. Well, now it's a new organization, and you got to be a member. Oh, really? So I was wanting to get back in skeet and trap shooting like seven, eight months ago. Right now it'd be fun. Well, I submitted for it seven, eight months ago, and they finally sent me an application through the mail, and I got to fill it out and send it in oh, and cool. become a member. So that's awesome. I'm gonna think I'm gonna try to get back into skeet and trap, and then also they got the rifle range, the bow range, and ponds and stuff. Apparently it's really nice, but it's it's set up different now. Like you gotta you get tokens and you put tokens in the little skeet house and the trap oh, wow. house. It's it's very very modernized on that. But you still have the over and under. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. I, I want 
when they have like a turn, well, I don't know if they call it like a turn, I guess a shoot. Mm-hmm. I like to go up there and just see how bad I get my butt waxed. Did you duck hunt this morning? I did. did how'd that go? Just, uh, we shot four woodies, so we didn't get skunked. That's a win. But, yeah, we, uh. Did you, did you find, did you, your, uh, the place you was hunting, did you get dibs yep. on it? Everybody in it? Nobody in it. Um, everything. It worked out. Worked out good. There were, actually, it was two groups. It was four and four. So we, the two holes we was looking at, boom, boom, got there, split That's up. That's awesome. Good to mm-hmm. go. I need to show you the video, unless you've seen it of the uh, shoot uh, on the the shot video. Well, I have the shot cam video, but also I, the, on the four of a kind page, I sent Brand. I put a GoPro on back at Kent, and he's swimming Kent. through the water. Oh, oh, calls dog. Calls dog. Yeah, and he's went out there and he grabbed that and. That's awesome. I didn't take no pictures, but my I only got one good shot with my shot cam. But is I'm a did Roscoe go? He did not. No, with that many people in excitement, he ain't going. Now tomorrow I'm gonna have crazy shot cam footage because we're gonna go shoot some geese on the field, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, oh, they're, cool. they're there. Oh, awesome. He was asked to get to help him out. So, <laughs> what I'm wanting to try is uh, cause you shoot like. 20-some geese, 30 geese, that's a lot of meat. That's a lot. What I was wanting to try is 50-50 goose and pork. Oh, yeah? Grind it up, put it together, add your high-temperature cheese. Is that a thing? Nice. Or it you... is. Okay. Your high-temp cheese and then jalapeno, and I want to stuff it into the, the skins and make the jalapeno cheddar sticks. Oh, like that'd that. be good. Did you find it? Got it? It's in there. It's 1,200 of them. Oh, yeah. I, don't <laughs> time, I don't have time to mess with that. But, uh, well, Jerry, I mean, I, we absolutely appreciate it. I mean, I think for that for the most part, we do you feel like we kind of covered everything? In a uh, nutshell. It was in a nutshell. And, and like I said, it may be something that could be broken up into two parts, right? Uh, this being the first part and another, you know, Whatever you want to do. Yeah, when, whenever we get famous, we'll bring you back on. Yeah. Well, I hope you are very successful with this, and uh, at least the Rowan County. That's what we're going for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I apologize for spelling your name wrong. Yeah. Oh, no, that's that's, that's the most common thing he likes doing. That he likes. Oh, oh yeah. I'm, I made the big time. Well, yeah. I'm competing again. Not competing, but I'm comparable to thirty some other people. So yeah, uh, it's some. But, you um, have some you have some national stars in here. I'm just a <laughs> I'm just a lowly. I don't know about that. But, I don't know about that. Um, no, I definitely I, I the older I get, I appreciate the wisdom. So it was definitely a pleasure yeah. re uh, connecting with you over four years um, and and getting to kind of wow, hang out with long. you. Friendships yeah. never wow. die. Been yeah. that long. Yeah. Wow. So that's yeah, the first red stag I took. Was it? That was a red stag. Yeah. yeah. And uh, where at? Well, Scotland. Scotland. That's so cool. And that's the little car I brought back from Scotland. That little sports car I was well, talking to you when about. When we get off here, I want you. To, what, uh, I want you to find me a yeah. picture of a Roebuck. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's probably in there someplace. Yeah, I like seeing it. What about it. the elk right here? That's elk, and uh, <laughs> Let, we'll wrap this up, and then because uh, they can't see pictures, so we we'd be sitting no. here talking about pictures, and it wouldn't make <laughs> sense. So. Um, but absolutely appreciate it, Jerry, and uh, we'll we'll definitely maybe look at getting you back on here. Well, it's, it's soon, fun. Soon time. Uh, so um, it's fun hearing, hearing kind of what you did throughout, you know, your life and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Uh, I sure. feel like there's plenty. There's a lot more to cover. So that's why I say we can break, kind of break this up into a, well, that's fine. A, another episode. So, What time is it now? 18. 8.10. Two hours. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah well, it goes by fast. Boom, so. da boom, boom. Yeah, but <laughs> all right, guys, we'll follow us on Instagram, official four of a kind, and that's going to be it for this uh, episode. Peace. <laughs>